the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In John 11, verse 40, Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Well, that was true then. It's still true now that we can see the Lord at work and see the glory of God at work in this world. And this is Alex McFarland along with Bert Harper, and you're listening to Exploring the Word, a brand new day and a brand new week of our study through the Scriptures here on the American Family Radio Network. And uh, Bert, do you remember that song? I love to hear it. In fact, I grew up listening to Bing Crosby sing, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Do you remember that? <laughs> Listen, my wife gets tired of me trying to sing that all the time. I mm. uh, I asked her, I said, am I close to being on tune? And she said, still far away. But I love that song. And it is, isn't it? Well, it is. And you know, one of the ways uh, in our part of the country, back in the Carolinas, you know how we know it's beginning to get near Christmas? Well, is it the weather? Well, uh, can be, can be, but we see the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes around, and today my wife Angie and 16 people from our church, we go to a church called South Elm Street Baptist Church in Greensburg, North Carolina, 16 of everybody went to uh, Boone in western North Carolina, went to Samaritan's Purse, and Angie just, I was on the phone with her literally a minute ago, and she said that there were hundreds of people there, and every time a semi would get loaded <laughs> with shoeboxes, it would toot its horn and, and roll out, and thousands upon thousands of shoeboxes are going out, and maybe totally this year might be well north of 11 million and each one has the gospel in it. And I just wanted to say praise God for all that. But I'm proud of my church and my wife going and working at Samaritan's Purse today. Amen. I would be too, Alex. And listen, I thought about the supply chain. The supply chain of the shoeboxes is all right. Uh, they're packing them. They're, they've collected them. And now they're shipping them out all over the world. Last time I heard, 173 countries, if I remember right. Praise God. And just 11 million is, I think, I'm just trying to reminisce and remember, but what an opportunity. The gospel's being proclaimed. Those children are being loved on, and it operates and it promotes local churches or local fellowships wherever they're given out, Alex. Well, I, listen, Christmas is special anyway, and uh, listen, we, we won't get started on a rabbit trail. I could tell you a hundred reasons that I love Christmas, but you know, 20, 25 years ago, along comes the shoebox ministry every uh, year this time, and it's just made it even all the more special, hasn't it? It really has, and it is a blessing to, for AFR to be a part of the promotion of that, and matter of fact, in a week... I think or so, we have something about the greatest journey, and we'll have someone mm. on telling us about that as they do the follow-up. In other words, uh, the shoeboxes is not the only thing. They follow it up with the, oh, the yeah. uh, greatest journey, and it's an opportunity. You bet. So we're praising the Lord for that. Speaking of follow-up, let me share with you. I appreciated Jim Stanley being in for us two days as I was off during Thanksgiving with family. But I understand y'all came to the place where Jesus came to where Judas, uh, excuse me, where Lazarus was, and then something good is about to happen. Is that is am I correct in that? Absolutely, and yes, we do thank Jim Stanley. He is so faithful, and whether you or I are out on the road traveling, he fills in, and he's just a very valued part of the exploring the Word Bible study. But you know. I read that in verse 40, uh, where Jesus, shortly before he raised Lazarus in John chapter 11, Jesus said, did I not say unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, in John 11, we're going to see a dead body resurrected, Lazarus. But I want to say this. I hope that everybody has hope in their heart. I mean, whether it be uh, the resurrection of a dead body 
or the resurrection of a backslidden country like the USA. We need a revival. We, we need a revival so desperately in our country. Or the restoration of a broken relationship. Or the healing of a marriage. Or a, a prodigal child coming back. We pray. We call out to God. We trust his word. And Bert, I believe it is still true in 2022 that when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, God, please intervene, we can see the hand of God and the glory of God in even the most dire of situation. Amen. And it did not get much more dire than Lazarus being dead four days and him, Jesus, showing up and everybody. Teacher, had you come earlier, uh, this would not have happened. And uh, so, you know, sometimes we cut God short on what God can do, but not only can do, but what he wants to do through us and, well, I should say in us and through us. And so, Alex, uh, this is Jesus coming, and there's two or three things that you notice. Notice Jesus lets people do what people can do. Roll away the stone, take away the grave clothes, But Jesus did the only thing that Jesus could do, raise Mm. Lazarus from the dead. So in this, let me just say, I'm putting it all together, this cooperative effort of raising Lazarus. Jesus could have just pointed his finger to that stone, and it rolled away. He could have pointed his finger or said the word, unwind, you claws, and it could have been gone, and the grave clothes laid aside. But he permitted, now get these words, he permitted those around to participate in this great work of God. Alex, God is still letting us participate in his work of the great commission of sharing the gospel, of taking the good news around the world, of praying and seeking his face. Alex, aren't you glad that God has let us be a part of what he could do all by himself if he wanted to? That's right. That's right. And you know what? Yes, God does the saving. You know, there's a word regeneration, and when that's when a dead, lost soul is made alive. And, Bert, there's a lot that goes on in the salvation transaction. Somebody puts their, their trust in Jesus Christ, and sins are forgiven. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells. Your name is written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. The righteousness of Christ is imparted to you. Uh, that which is dead is now alive. So in that, mo- that instantaneous moment of salvation, a lot goes on. But the beautiful thing about it is that God does let us participate. You know, um, they get there and they said the body's been in the grave four days. You know, decomposition has set in. And by the way, John eleven thirty nine, the King James in especially colorful language references the decomposition. Uh, and maybe you've thought to yourself, there's no hope for America. You know, we're too, oh my goodness, we're, we've been in the grave too many, four decades, you know. Well, again, if we believe, we, we can see the glory of God. They took away the stone. Let me say this, and if I'm spiritualizing too much, Bert, you can rein me in. Um, whether it's planning an evangelistic crusade or setting the table, uh, look, setting a date for a, uh, an evangelistic meeting or having a prayer rally or going on visitation, uh, we, we participate in the gospel equation by doing what we can do. But it, it, verse 43, it's the Lord who says, Lazarus, come forth. It's the Lord that makes that which was dead alive. But isn't it good? We can help roll the stone away. We can help set the table for the proclamation of the gospel, and we can help bring somebody into the sound of the gospel. It's God that does the saving, but like uh, Billy Sunday said, we can be the messenger boy. Amen, and that's that's a high calling to be that messenger that God has sent. Now, speaking of verse 43, uh, Alex, have you heard preachers, and I, I uh, you were right on with what you yeah. said, but aren't you glad they're saying it's good that he had sent, said Lazarus come forth? If he'd have just said, come forth, uh, they'd have had a... Everybody <laughs> in that graveyard would have walked out. Yeah, I, I, but there's two or three things about it. I love that. That really spoke to me the first time I ever heard it. But it also shows the personal touch of Jesus. Amen. Jesus personally. 
comes into your life. Jesus personally has a calling for you. Jesus personally is involved and wants to do a work in your life. You're listening today, and you've made it through Thanksgiving, and it was the first year you've lost someone, and you felt all along the first time you'd ever had to spend Thanksgiving by yourself without someone, and and you're, you're feeling like, man, nobody cares. Nobody's there. Jesus cares. Jesus loves you, and he wants to call you by name. And mm-hmm. he's calling some who are listening today by name and saying, come yes. unto me, all you, because you're weak, you're heavy laden, you're burdened down, cast your burden on me. I'll take care of you. Trust me. I died on the cross for you. And if you will confess your sin and come to the place of putting your faith in Christ Jesus as you repent from the way you're going and come to him, he'll come into your life and save you. That's the good news. So he could say, Bert, Alex, Brent, Amen. Robert, Amen. Come forth. Uh, Alex, man, I love that term. Come well, forth. Come out of that grave. Amen. Uh, you know, there are many listening right now, and this is your day that God is calling your name. Just like he said, Lazarus, specific call to a specific person. Lazarus, come forth. Now, in Genesis 16, Hagar said that God is El Roi, the God who sees me. God sees you. Luke 19.44, Jesus was talking about uh, Jerusalem. You need to recognize the time of your visitation. So, listener, if, you, if you're not sure that you're really saved, and you say, you know, I, I mean, I've been to church, I've been religious. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? Jesus is calling, and he says, today is your day. This is your day of visitation. You're hearing this, this simple little broadcast because we want you to know the Lord who loves you so much. And when, when he says, come forth, hey, open your heart to him and, and let a relationship with Jesus begin. It can happen right now today. And, Bert, I've just got to believe in an in a audience this size. Today is somebody's day to make sure that they have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. That is so true. You know, walking dead, everybody talks about that. But here's a dead man that was dead, and that man is now walking. And listen, he can do that for you spiritually, dead in your sin, and Jesus Christ takes away your sin. He washes you white as snow, and he can loose you and let you go so that the purpose God has for you is realized and is fulfilled. Would you ask Christ into your life? Let him be Lord of your life right now as he reigns. We'll be back with more of John chapter 11 right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Amy Solomon, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General at the U.S. Department of Justice. She oversees about $5 billion annually in grants and resources to support criminal and juvenile justice activities and victim service programs. Proverbs 21.15 reminds us of the importance of justice. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Amy Solomon as she works to enhance justice-related programs in the country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says many people who call Jesus King don't act like he really is. There's a name for people like that. And we'll find out what it is today as we spend two minutes with Tony. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions we agree with. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions we like. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions that make me comfortable. But that's not how rulers rule. The idea is not for the ruler to adjust to the rulee. The idea is for the ruler 
to adjust to the ruler. Jesus Christ wants to be your savior who takes you to heaven and your king who rules your life in history. Which means that your question on every subject in your life should be one. What do you want me to do about this? When you begin asking that question to your king and answering that question in the affirmative, there are only two words you're supposed to give to that question, yes, Lord, yes, king. When you ask that question and answer that question, now you are functioning as a citizen of his kingdom and not as a Benedict Arnold in his kingdom. Learn more about what the names used to describe Jesus really mean and what they say about how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Ephesians 1 Verse 11. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate place. Father, I know you can bear the weight. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're in John chapter 11, and we have just studied about the seventh miracle that John recorded in his gospel. Each one seems to grow. If you remember, we started out where he turned the water into wine, and now he raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead four days after he had died. Now, Alex, uh, I've asked, and, and I want to do this, I asked Brent to find a song that I, I remember the first time I heard it, and I said, man, this is an awesome song. I want him to play a little bit of it and just just enjoy it. And all of those who are listening right now, just enjoy this song. Not all of it. We'll just play part of it, but it will bless your heart. So, Brent, go ahead, brother. The news came to Jesus. Please come fast. Lazarus is sick. And without your help, he will not last. Mary and Martha, watch their brother die. They waited for Jesus, he did not come, and they wondered why. The death watch was over.
not appeared. Friend, don't be discouraged, cause he's still the same. He'll soon be here, he'll roll back the stone. Amen. Alex, uh, I remember I was preaching a revival down in central part of Mississippi at a Methodist church and Assembly God choir and a Southern Baptist pastor. And isn't that a great combination? Amen. And that song was sung. And I'm telling you what, the God just showed up strong, and I praise God. But four days late, but he's still on time. I, I just love that song, brother. Well, that's a great song. I'm so glad you had that put in there because, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is uh, John chapter 11, Exploring the Word. We are going to get to phone calls here in just a little bit. And by the way, that number, if you've got a Bible question or, again, today you're feeling this is the day you just need to make certain, you need to be for sure that you're a Christian, then call on Jesus and uh, let us know about that. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And that song is true. Isn't it great that when he's four days late, he's still right on time? And the Lord has a timetable that's better than our timetable. And God has a plan better than our best laid plans, doesn't he, Bert? He really does. But I want to say this. Today is the day of salvation. You do not need to put it off. You do not delay. You need to say, I'm going to wait till Sunday. No, Monday's great. Come to Christ and do it today because I want to just tell you, the enemy will try to come in and do damage because that's exactly what takes place here in John chapter 11. The great work has been done. Many believed, but not all of them. Let me just read this, Alex. Verse 45 of John 11. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests, the Pharisees, gathered a council and said, What shall we do for this man works so many signs? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come take away both our place and our nation." Now, Alex, I tell you, that is the enemy. He wants control. He he doesn't want to lose his place. And that's the battle that's going on in some of the people's minds and lives right now. Satan has a stake down, and Jesus Christ is come to pull up that stake and put down a new stake in the heart where Jesus is Lord. So we're praying that people would turn away from Satan, turn away from their self, turn away from this world and say, Christ alone, I'm trusting him. Alex, uh, Satan's always going to do his best to keep someone from coming to Christ, isn't he? That's true. You know, over the weekend, and I'm not going to give a lot of time to this news report, but out of Cambridge in England, Mm -hmm. Trinity College, a minister preached just an unspeakably blasphemous sermon. Did you see that bird? I did. It I just and made it really made me sick. Honestly, it, I, well, it did too. And and they said even during the context of the sermon, some people from the pews yelled out heresy. It was heresy. And and here's the thing: Satan does not want people to believe in Jesus. It says, you know, this man does many miracles. Verse forty-seven. And if, if we let him keep on doing all these signs and wonders, many people are going to believe on him. Well, if Jesus is the Savior, then people believing on him is a good thing, you know. But like you said, Bert, Satan doesn't want that to happen. And so Satan has been tempting people towards sin, but that's not even enough. Satan tries to demean and blaspheme and just uh, diminish the very name and awareness of Jesus, and that, that's a tragedy. Now, it goes on in verse 49, And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. See, Caiaphas is speaking truth, and he doesn't even know it. 
Isn't I, some- I, I find this one of the most astounding, amazing uh, events in the Bible. Here's Caiaphas. Yeah. God is, it shows you the power of God. If he can use a rooster and a donkey, here he even uses the high priest, Alex. Isn't that something? It is. And, you know, I think about even now, Bert, uh, sadly, there are Christian denominations that are enemies of the gospel right now. There are clergy investments getting in liberal pulpits, enemies of the gospel. But you know what they don't realize? Even those that are very liberal and they deny the Bible and they deny what the Bible says about so many subjects, uh, they they may not know it, but they're... They're actually fulfilled prophecy because the Bible says that as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, uh, the Bible says evil men will wax worse and worse. There'll uh, be a falling away, and people will deny the Lord that bought them. See, the Bible says that God will use the wrath of man to praise him. Now, sin and wrath and darkness, that's bad. But you know what? Bert, this is probably a little simplistic, but you're not going to put God in checkmate. <laughs> the, 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 the creature will not outfumble the creator. And, and you may as well uh, turn to Christ and submit your life to the Lord because um, there's an old song from the 70s, your arms are too short to box with God. And just like Caiaphas Caiaphas said, you know, what about this one man dying for the people and the nation being lost? Yeah, one man is going to die for the world, Jesus. In A.D. 70, the Jewish nation would be lost and would be non-existent for 1,900-plus years, and right before the return of Christ would be reconstituted, which has happened. Bert, uh, I'm starting to believe God's will is going to happen. <laughs> Amen. It, and that is awesome. Those of you that are believers and you're discouraged, and there's reasons to look at the world and see what is going on. But I am telling you, it looked that way in Jesus' life. They thought they had done their part by putting him on the cross. Because listen to verse 53. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. They wanted to put Jesus to death. They plotted. They'd been talking about it, and now they're plotting how to do it. I just want to tell you the world has is is not your answer. Uh, science can only go so far if it's true science even. And, uh, you know, it is only the Word of God, the promise of God that he has given to us that in Jesus Christ we have life. And matter of fact, in John chapter 10, he said you can have an abundant life, Alex. It's not just passive. It's not just getting by. It's a life of abundance. And what is abundance? The grace of God and the gift of God in our lives. It is an abundant life. And so here today, and Alex and I, are we're telling you this, today's the day of salvation. And therefore, verse 54 Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Now, Alex, Jesus is on his own. You said it earlier, and I, 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 you didn't make it too simplistic. It was God. You're not going to put God in checkmate. You're not going to get Jesus. Yeah, for until, real. They're not going to get him until he's ready for them to take him captive, you know? That's true. That's true. Well, you know, I've... It, Words mean so much places. They go to a country called Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. Uh, a city called Ephraim in the wilderness, they're continued with his disciples. And, you know, um, he's preparing them because he's going to die and rise and ascend. And these disciples are going to be the ones to start the church and spread the gospel. So all of these times uh, apart with Christ are preparatory, I believe, and yeah. fruitfulness is is a good word there. The Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought for Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. And what think ye, will he not come to the feast? All right, Jesus has a lot of notoriety already, and certainly if ever this amazingly captivating teacher is going to show himself, it would 
presumably be at Passover, wouldn't it? It would be because this is this is the greatest feast. This is the big moment, and uh, he will not come. What do you think that he will not come to the feast? He will, and so here sure. they're trying to put it together. They're plotting. Remember what they're trying to do to take him, and they've got to do it. We we're looking ahead a little bit. They've got to do it privately because if they did it publicly, he had too many followers that would see that and do something about it, and they would have this turmoil that they don't want. But verse 57, now both the chief priest and the Mm. Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Alex, when you see this, remember who this is. This is the religious crowd. This are the people that should be looking to God, knowing the word of God, but in willful, and I'm saying that word, I think I'm not off base, in willful, uh, you know. Now, I know later they said they don't know what they're doing, but they're willfully ignoring the signs because they had already said it earlier if this man continues to do these signs, all of Jerusalem, all of Judah will be following him. So they're willfully ignoring what who Jesus is, what he's done. And I, I'm, Alex and I are just trying to make sure everyone has the opportunity to be saved, to know Christ. Don't willfully turn God away today. If he is mm. speaking to your heart through the Holy Spirit, drawing you to himself, don't take, don't take the chance on saying not today. Come to Christ today, Alex. Today's the day of salvation for someone, isn't it? Well, it is. And you know, in verse fifty-seven, where I mean, we see they've spread the word. Look, if anybody sees him, okay, here's this incredibly important annual feast. Uh, keep a keep a lookout. Seize him. Bring him to us. The chief priest and the Pharisees. Um, that there was a lot of clout and power they wielded in the culture. Uh, the chief priests, they, these were the people that interpreted the law, and they kept Jewish um, religion and cultural practices present, going on in the community. And so this is, you know, the judicial and religious machine that ran the culture, and they're plotting against Christ. This is Exploring the Word, and We're praying that you know Christ, and if not, you'd trust Him today. If you have questions, we'd love to hear your Bible question. That number, 888-589-8840. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 
833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in a day when churches are filled with people ready to hear and receive God's mercy. Unfortunately, however, it is often accompanied by a de-emphasis or concealment of the truth of God's word. Paul, the salvation by grace through faith apostle, was asked, if salvation is solely a product of grace, what benefit then does the law provide? Paul responded, without the law, I wouldn't have known God's righteous standard and how far away from it I was. Any presentation of God's mercy, absent God's truth, is no gospel at all. Iniquity is purged by mercy and truth. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. The number, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your calls and Bible questions. Just love to talk to you this day. Hey, let me remind you that um, AFA.net and AFR.net, the website of the American Family Association, uh, AFA.net, a lot of really good articles and news features on there as we get towards the holidays. There's some Christmas-related uh, articles and news stories as well. Then on AFR.net, American Family Radio, uh, you can listen to this show and listen again or forward this show to somebody and listen to all kind of good content. Today's issues, the Hamilton Corner, and all of the the great programming. And, Bert, I really I thank God for AFR and One News Now and the Stand blog site. And at such a time as this, there is so much good research and journalism and coverage and just inspiring, encouraging programming going out from AFA. And I just thank God that this this entity exists at this moment. It is such a blessing. And let me tell you, part of our mission statement is to equip and inform. And that's what we want to do. We believe after you're equipped and informed, you will be active. And that's part of what we do. And then to help the church, aid the church in carrying out the Great Commission, at home and abroad. That's what we do on Exploring the Word. So when you put all the programming together, we are accomplishing that mission goal. And so we pray that you'll pray for us here at AFA and AFR. We want God to use us and for him to get the glory. Well, Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines? 888-589-8840. That's the number to call. Bert, where do we go first? Let's go to Georgia and talk to Pam. Welcome, Pam. Hi. Um, My question is uh, something somebody has posed to me regarding the Sabbath, and um, they're saying that the New Testament supports the seventh day as being the Sabbath, and citing um, some scripture, Hebrews 4, and the passages in Matthew that refer to one jot or one tittle of the law. you know, uh, will in no way pass from the law until all is fulfilled, and also the one that says, whosoever breaks one of these least commandments and teaches men shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So anyway, I've been looking up a lot of scriptures. I'm trying to figure out I don't have a specific scripture that I can say, you know, this has changed. I know we need to honor the Ten Commandments. And um, so anyhow, I wanted to get your your input on that. Okay. Thank you, Pam. You're asking a question that we get asked, uh, uh, you know, Brent and I was talking about maybe once a month about the Sabbath because uh, I understand that here it was in the Old Testament. They were working on the Sabbath. And all of a sudden in the New Testament, now let me say this, Pam, it's not 
just the church later on worshiping. It is the New Testament church uh, worshiping on the first day of the week, isn't it, Alex? Well, it is. And let me me be clear. 1 Corinthians 9.20, Paul says that we are not under the law as a believer. Okay, so regardless of what day of the week the Sabbath is, and it's Saturday. Sunday is often called the Lord's Day, and the early church worshiped on Sunday because that was the resurrection day. I mean, whenever you read about uh, an appearance of Jesus, it'll say, like in John 20 and Luke 24, it'll say on the first day of the week. So the early church worshipped on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that was the resurrection day. Now, the Sabbath was and still is on Saturday, the, the Jewish Sabbath. But the fact is, in 1 Corinthians 9.20, Paul says, if we're a believer, we are, we are not under the law. And in fact, Colossians 2.16, it says, Do not let anyone pass judgment on you in regard to food or drink or with regard to a festival, new moon, or Sabbath. Now, Hebrews 4 says that as a believer, we are perpetually in the Sabbath rest. Bert, really what the Sabbath was about, it was about a lot of things. And, and God did give the Sabbath in the law to remind people of creation, to remind people of God's rest, but also to, rem, to remind people of uh, they got delivered from the Egyptian, quote, hard servitude. They were brought out of bondage into rest. And that's a great thing to remember. But, Bert, um, keeping a weekly Sabbath is not part of the gospel nor the plan of salvation. The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus for the sins of the world. Uh, Salvation is that we put our faith in Christ, and the entirety of the law is fulfilled on our behalf because Jesus did it. Isn't isn't that true? It is so true. And that, I, I just, uh, Pam, I have a tendency to try to oversimplify. I admit that. Uh, that's the. But here, creation, the Sabbath, is is just praising God for creation, even in the law. That's it. Whereas Sunday, the first day of the week, is celebrating the salvation, the resurrection, and uh, those two things. That's what you have: creation and redemption, Christ's salvation. And the Sabbath does one, but the first day of the week, Christ arose. Up from the grave he arose, a mighty triumph over his foes. Christ arose, and that's what we want to celebrate, and that's what we do when we gather on the first day of the week. Pam, we hope that helps you. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Alan. Welcome, Alan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I listen to you guys every single day coming home from work. Well, great, man. Thank hey, you. it's a good drive. <laughs> Hope you have a good one in the safe. It is brother. a good drive. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. I'm not driving right now, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I would like some uh, scriptural advice uh, for my Christian divorced daughter who is. Uh... You all right, brother? No. Father, I pray for Alan right now. I know yes. we've read a little bit about what he's concerned about. Father, give him the composure that is needed to be able to express and give us wisdom enough to give an answer. Mm. But more than an answer is our support and love for he and his daughter. Go ahead, Alan. Okay, so she's living. She's a, My divorced daughter is now living together with a new boyfriend and my grandkids. And she would say that nowhere in Scripture does it say, do not live together. Um, I've gotten a lot of advice. Just wondering what you guys, your take on this is. Thank mm-hmm. you. Go ahead, Alex. Well, God bless you, and thank you for caring like you are. First um, Corinthians 6.18 says, flee fornication. And, Bert, uh, let me say, it doesn't say, thou shalt not cohabitate. But, um, my goodness, uh, fornication is sex between two people that are un- unmarried. And then the Bible goes on and says that in 1 Thessalonians five twenty two that we are to avoid the very appearance of evil. And um, certainly, if you're a Christian, cohabitating without benefit of marriage 
appears evil. I mean, there's just no way around it. And very often I've heard people try to, you know, pragmatically say, well, you know, but it costs money to pay rent and all that kind of stuff. Bert, I, I think if you, if you want to do right, there's a way to, to do right. Uh, we are called, if you're a born-again believer, we're called to walk. The Bible uses the word circumspect. Circumspectly, that means that we're to try to live for the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I don't know the whole situation, and I don't mean to sound uh, overly judgmental, but um, look, there's no way, there's just no way that you can scripturally or legitimately rationalize a professed Christian living with a member of the opposite sex without benefit of marriage. You really can't, Alan, and our heart breaks for you. We can hear that. And I, I, everybody who is listening, this is a Bible study, but it's also tums, it's support for one another. Would you write the name of Alan on a piece of paper in the next 24 hours? Let's be praying for, for him and his daughter. Uh, let me just share with you. I think prayer... He, she may not listen, Alan, but prayer can do it. You remember how Hosea prayed for Gomer, and I know that was a husband and and wife, but it's still the principles the same. He prayed that she would come to the place of having a hedge and that individual dropping her and leaving her so he could be there for her, and it happened. Pray for the prodigal the way he did, that she would come to herself. The concern I have more than anything is those grandchildren. So I'm going to pray for them right now. I didn't know that when I heard this, so join me in this and, prayer. Go ahead, Alex. You had something uh, well, to say. Uh, let me just say the statistics, and, and I know this is this is more a spiritual battle than an intellectual or, or practical battle, but the statistics on living together are very detrimental. Uh, and do you know who bears the... The, the brunt of damage oh, are man. usually females. They are. They do. Cohabitating females are more likely to get walked out on, more likely to feel devalued and depressed. Um, now, if cohabitation results in marriage, which sometimes it does, though they're like three times more likely later to divorce, it, it's just it's not a good way to build a family or a household and it's certainly not a, a net positive for the individuals who are participating in this father we pray again for alan his daughter but we also pray for these grandchildren i it's got to hurt beyond measure for alan to know this i pray god that you would intervene in his daughter's life that she would come to herself I pray for the individual that she is living with, that he would see the damage that is being done to those little ones. Father, we pray for a recovery. We pray for a deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Alan, thank you for calling today. Let's go to Texas, and we're going to talk to Bill. Welcome, Bill. Yes, appreciate y'all's ministry. My question is Job 20. I'm sorry, Job 3, chapter 20, uh, chapter 3, verse 20 through 25. I've heard all my life that Job, what he feared the most, come upon him. And I've always been taught in the assemblies from my youth to right now that it was he feared that his kids had sinned. And I just cannot grab a hold of that. I'm thinking because he was afraid. Okay. Uh, did we lose him, Bert? We must have lost. We lost him, but we've. I don't know what he is thinking. It was, but mm -hmm. it's Job three twenty, and the specific verse is twenty five. For the thing yeah. I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest for trouble, for trouble comes. Alex, yeah. was it the fear of God leaving, or him feeling this way, or is his children dying? Well, you know, I think it's some of the fears that um, are common to, like, all spouses and parents. Verse 26, I think, is a key. I was not in safety, neither did I have rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Uh, you know, and Bert, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, I think Job had a very secure relationship with the Lord. Because, you know, you read Job 19, my Redeemer liveth. Um, but 
the welfare of his family, maybe his livelihood, his flocks, his kids, their status. Because you remember he had made sacrifices, and he said within himself, maybe my children have sinned. And he, I mean, it's a precious thing how Job made sacrifices for his kids. And I think um, it may have been, Job 3.25, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Just my, my whole world has fallen in on itself. And I hoped it wouldn't happen, but it did. Uh, do you think it could have been that? I do. I, I do believe it's a combination of all that. I think all live in that, you know, difficulty coming. And when it does, like, I'll put it this way. If if a parent has cancer or, or Alzheimer's and the, they find out this is a generational thing, you, you, you have that in the back of your mind, whether it, it's there or not. It doesn't necessarily defeat you, but it's there. And, it, you know, and if it comes upon you, you say, man, I, I, you know, I didn't want this to happen. I dreaded the possibility of it. I think that's the reality. We hope that helps, Bill. Sorry we lost you. We're going to try to get Mark from Arkansas on for the last question of the day. Mark, go ahead. Yes, okay. Uh, mine was concerning uh, Ezekiel, and uh, uh, I'm just driving along, and I don't have the verses down, but it's about, well, three, four, five, fifth verse in Ezekiel, but we're talking today about how mankind, well, how, how people just seem to be ignorant about what is happening in the world, and they're in the in the uh, church body, and, and, uh, and some seemingly unaware of... Uh, uh, the traumatic state of, of the world, and of course, you talk about oh, the 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 you know sex trafficking, drugs flying all over the place, and those things, and and uh, people will, will well, you don't want to get all bummed out about that, and you know life is all roses and daisies over here on my end of it, and, and I'm thinking, well, uh, you know, are you missing something? But uh, uh, you go back to Ezekiel and and God talks about those two kinds of people that uh, yeah. that are in the world, that uh, uh, there's doom for those that are unaware of what's happening. Okay, Mark, and, uh, thank you. We hope you're listening. Alex, could you comment real quickly? Well, it, does, God, it says that God doesn't take any pleasure in the death, death of the wicked, but it, when we see the sinner in his way, we're supposed to warn them and tell them the truth and the way of salvation, aren't we? We are. It's amazing what this says. I want to read a verse, Ezekiel 9, 9. The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversity. When it comes to that, the Lord has forsaken the land. The Lord does not see it. Listen, uh, we want to repent, get right with God, and judgment begins in the house of the Lord, Alex. It really does. Well, folks, thanks for listening. You can follow along in John uh, uh, 12. We're going to be in John 12 tomorrow. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word and the great programming of the American Family Radio Network. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.